Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Okay. Before I get sued by Mace or P. Diddy, whatever. My name is Joe, aka Joe the Wellness Curator, and this is the Obsidian Mindset Podcast, where we are redefining what wellness means to you. I am so excited to drop another interview. Today, the interview is with Moenge Eric Kwesi. Um, he was such a good interview. Uh, he is a lifetime health advocate. Uh, he just penned his first book um, about holistic health. And, you know, he has 35 years of experience. Whether we are talking about as a personal trainer, a nutritionist, an instructor, a researcher, he is a man of many trades, um, but very passionate and very knowledgeable. Uh, what he is, what, one thing that he likes to do or one thing that he's known for is instead of like focusing on these cookie cutter programs, and we've talked about it, of this like nutrition and exercise programs that are meant to be sold to the masses, he's really focused or in tune with making sure we're improving each person's health and guiding them through a personalized program um, in order to get to that goal, right? His motto and his, his belief is your health is your wealth. And, you know, Obsidian, we are down with that, right? That's literally what we're going through. So I had to have him on. We are talking about things from veganism to his ties to African spirituality and physical health, nutrition. Um, we talk about general uh, general nutrition impact or GNI, which was uh, is a system that he uses when he's talked to his client about how to eat, focusing less on calories and more on what the impact of the food you're eating is. Um, and lastly, and one interesting piece, and you know, we talk about a bunch of things, but one thing that I'm really interested in talking more about is the cultural relevance of, you know, when you're, when you were younger and your parents might've said, clean your plate, he touches on what that means, where that might have stemmed from, especially in the black and brown community and how we can reframe our mentality to kind of get away from that mindset. Cause even me as an adult, I still think about, oh, clean your plate, but do I need to? Why is that? And wh where did I get that from? So these are the things that we're learning to redefine. These are the things that we're learning to uh, approach and find in our own lifestyle and figuring out how to question it and reframe it to work for a lifestyle that's working for all of us, that lead us to a healthier and more well lifestyle. So stay tuned, get ready for all the gems that are dropped. And as usual, you know where to find me. You can hit me up on IG at Obsidian Mindset, or you can please feel free to email me at joe at definedbyobsidian.com. All right, enjoy. All right, welcome, 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 everyone. Excited to have Mwangi on. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. That's what I'm talking about. I love to hear the excitement. Um, so, you know, we just, I've heard such good things about you. Um, I've read a little bit about your website, read a little bit about your book. So I'm definitely interested to dive in about who you are as not only a trainer, a researcher, a nutritionist, a, a instructor, I think the list goes on, but also as you as a person, as a black man um, living in 2021. Uh, so I guess to jump off, Tell me, and this is a question I always ask all the people that come on, tell me what your, tell me about your wellness journey and whatever that looks like. Um, I like to give people the space to craft their wellness journey in whatever way they like to. So if you could just let me know what that looks like or let us know what that looks like. So my wellness journey actually started at age 10. When I was 10 years old, I had been uh, reading about boxing because I, I was a fan of boxing and I really became a fan of training, uh, jumping rope, 
how you got your body in shape for a three minute round. And I started working out at night by myself. And I remember my dad thinking that I was crazy. You know, you got this 10 year old kid working out every night from 9.30 to 10 o'clock for no reason. I wasn't training for anything, um, but my mom had my back from the beginning. And about three months in, I told my mom, I want to fast. And she said, I'm not comfortable with that. How about we do something a little different than a fast? So I actually, you know, my mom told me, go read something and come back with something other than fast. And what I came back with was, instead of going on a diet, I'm going to modify my daily diet for three months. She said, okay, what's your daily diet going to be? And I told her what it was going to be. She said, let's do it for three months together. And my mom did it with me. And the funny thing was, um, my mom was beautiful. She was my first crush. Um, in those three months, my mom lost 27 pounds. Ooh. So the, she, the, she climbed higher up to find the scale. <laughs> um, <laughs> her friends were like, girl, what are you doing? And she said, I'm actually doing something with my son. And so believe it or not, at age 11, my first clients were my mom's friends. Yes. That's amazing. So how, so from there, how did, what made you continue? How did that progress? Like, what did that look like to be, I mean, it sounds like at the age of 11, you were a researcher, a nutritionist, a personal trainer. So like, what made you continue? And uh, yeah, from there. So I, um, during undergrad, I, I absolutely fell in love with African history, uh, African-American history, Afro-Caribbean history. And it literally changed the entire trajectory of my life. And what I realized was that I was learning about African spirituality, that it was intrinsically tied to your health. And I was like, that's me. That's me. <laughs> and so everything came together where I was studying and learning about traditional African spirituality. It was connected to the fact that at age 20, I stopped eating red meat and pork on um, June 1st, 1989. Then uh, on February 25th, 1993, I stopped eating chicken, fish, and turkey and went vegan. So I've been vegan since February 25th, 1993. Um, but being an undergrad, all of it came together at once in terms of the spirituality, connecting to the health, connecting to how I grew up, connecting to where I grew up, connecting to all the new things that I was learning in undergrad, being exposed to so many different wonderful things and wonderful people. And so instead of becoming a hobby or something that was uh, a tangential interest, it, was the, it became the center of my life. Um, I, I trained professionally. Uh, when I was in grad school uh, in Atlanta, I, I became a trainer while in grad school at Crunch Fitness. Um, then um, I studied um, non-traditional healing with healers from the US, Brazil, China, uh, and Jamaica. Um, I also uh, deeply started studying biology and nutrition and how nutrition directly impacts biology and the immune system. So literally, um, that was my residency time because I was studying, but because I was uh, in an active and vibrant community, people were constantly coming to me with questions, for advice, for programs. So that was my residency. And I got to watch things work that I had done to change myself in my life. And now I'm tweaking it for how it works best for someone else, given the differences in their diet, their age, their regimen. 
So that's that's what my journey has looked like. Okay. All right. So before we get into nutrition, I want to touch back on one thing you said um, and speaking more about your mom. And it seems like from the beginning, you had a support system, right? And I like to talk about support system when you talk about um, the wellness journey, because I feel like similar to a lot of things in culture, like we can't do things by ourselves. And I would love to hear about one, how support systems helped you throughout your journey and also how you kind of ease that into when you're training people, how do you either be that support or teach them how to create a support system around themselves? That's an excellent question. Um, when my dad had the initial response to me that he did, you know, asking me, was I crazy? Like it kind of caught me off guard. And my mom literally immediately jumped in and said, baby, let's do it together. So having my mom really, I sat on my mom's shoulders. And when my mom's friends came to me at 11 years old for advice and direction, that's when I spread my wings and I was able to fly because I knew my mom had my back. And slowly but surely, I won all the people around me over to my side to where they would ask me questions. They would ask me advice. So that support is important because when you push deeply into wellness, it's going to alert the people around you that there's something different going on in your life. Mm -hmm. It will make them look back at themselves. And if they don't like what they see, they'll tear you down to make you stop what you're doing so that they don't have to look back at what they're not doing themselves. So when you have that support, when people attempt to tear you down, you can just let it roll off your back. Mm -hmm. So that support is vitally important. And when, when clients come to me, the first thing that they realize is I got their back uh, unconditional 24-7. And one of the things that people um, are often confused about is when you go on a wellness journey, it's not about turning you into a vegan or a vegetarian. It's about finding the healthiest version of you. Because what works for me probably is not going to work for you. So I need to find your formula. I need to find exactly the formula for you. Everyone's formula is different. And when we find it, we have that eureka moment and you're off and rolling. I love that. Yes. I think there there is no, anyone selling like cookie cutter programs. I think it, it's been such a disservice because there's no cookie cutter person, right? What works for me, what works for my weight loss or my wellness journey might not work for you, like you said. Um, so I love, love, love that you said that. Uh, so kind of going off of that and speaking about nutrition, for me, I can be very vulnerable and say, Nutrition has always been a up and down roller coaster. Uh, you know, have my good days, have my bad days. I usually try to focus on moderation and being balanced and giving myself grace. Um, so what is what are some tips that you usually give to your new clients when it comes to nutrition that I know I know for you, you follow everything that you say. So what are some things that you like to give for advice um, and that any mantras that you live by when it comes to nutrition? So the first thing is complete honesty about what you put into your body. Mm. And that, I, I love using this example. I eat desserts maybe five times a year, maybe. But I love sweets and I know that I love sweets. So if you put some sumptuous strawberry shortcake in front of me mm. and right next to it is a bowl of broccoli, mm. <laughs> broccoli, I'll give it to you later. <laughs> I don't lie to myself about that, mm -hmm. but because I know that I'm cognizant of what I'm eating and I give people a formula that's called a 
GNI, the general nutrition impact of whatever you put in your body. Is it negative? Is it neutral? Or is it positive? And if you eat 20 things in one day, you want to be literally about a plus 14 or 15. Mm. If, you have, if you've eaten 20 things in a day and each thing's general nutritional impact is neutral, then you've done nothing nourishing for your body all day. Because a lot of times people think, well, if it's neutral, it's not hurting me. Yes, it is. It's either helping you or it's hurting you. There right. is no in-between. So I always tell people, list what you eat and look at the general nutrition impact of everything that you eat. At the end of the day, before you go to sleep, you want to be able to say, yeah, I'm about, I'm a plus 14 on the 20 things that I ate. That's, I, I like that mentality because it's so funny while you're discussing that you didn't mention carbs, you didn't mention macros, like all that conversation. Is that, is that layered into the GNI? Or you said GNI, right? G. Mm-hmm. Is that layered into the the approach or the formula, like calories and macros, fats and proteins and all that and stuff? Nope. Calories, no. Yeah. That's and what now about. the reason the reason for no on calories is a lot of people are confused about hunger. Mm. Most people, when they think they're hungry, they're actually thirsty. That's right. The area of your brain, the hypothalamus, that controls your hunger response also controls thirst. And so people get those signals mixed up. And so there are three general rules that I give for, am I hungry or am I thirsty? First, hunger never comes on suddenly. It comes on gradually. So if you're sitting at your desk or wherever and, oh, I'm hungry. No, you're not. You're thirsty. That's rule number one. Rule number two, if you think you're hungry, drink something that's good and filling first and see if that does it. And what, what I mean by good and filling, like drink a smoothie that you love. Um, drink some actual juice, not this, not for concentrate garbage that you have in the stores. Five percent. Yeah. Drink some actual juice and literally you'll find, oh, okay, I'm good. And then the third is your stomach is actually as large as your fist. Mm. So if you put your fist on a plate and that plate, is filled to five times your fist, you're eating with your eyes and not with your stomach. That That's the right. one that people have the most trouble with because <laughs> we're conditioned to overeat. Yeah. We're conditioned to overeat. And it starts with, and I'm going to take a, a left turn, but you, you'll see where I'm going. I'm following, I'm following. In, in the late 19th century, throughout the 20th century, and sometimes in the 21st century, you'll hear parents say, clean your plate. Now, in the late 19th century, Black people told their children that because we weren't sure when and where that next meal was coming from. Yep. So it was a part of a survival mindset. Okay, so now let's move to the late 20th century. Collectively, love and how we progress individually we, weren't do, we were nowhere near doing as, as bad as we were late 19th century. But people kept saying, clean your plate as a matter of habit when we were no longer in that type of survival mode. Mm. So we, we have to pull away from that because we're responding to a trauma that is not necessarily right in our face still. 
Whew, that yes, you're dropping some gems right now. That because that gets into like the abundance versus scarcity mindset. And if you think there's scarcity, you think there's not going to be enough. If you think that you're not going to get your next meal, you're focused on now and just getting all you can. And it's about that mindset. And I know you're very focused on mindset of just switching it, which takes time. I think a lot of people are like, I need to do this today. Yes. When, you know, if I'm, let's say I'm 30, I'm 33 now, I'm literally reversing 33 years of pro, I don't want to say programming, but something I've been taught and I've indulged to do myself. So I think with that, how does, and I think you've kind of touched on it, but like, how does grace also come into this when you're talking to your clients and things of that nature? Woo! Okay. First, there is no such thing as failure. Mm. If you look at it as failure, you're ashamed of it. If you're ashamed of it, you want to shun it and hide from it. If you shun it and hide from it, you cannot learn from it. Don't embrace the title of failure. It was an experience. And mm. now you know what not to do. Yes. There's no, there's no failure and success are both false friends. Mm. This is, it's we're, just we're experience. Yeah, we're talking outside of wellness now. We're talking about anything. That that's that's real. That yeah. Um yeah, I think that that it took me a long time to figure that out. But for me, it's just like I always say, if even if I quote unquote fail, as if I'm as long as I'm learning something from it, then it, I did not fail. Like it was just another lesson that I needed. That's I right. didn't know I needed. Right. That's right. And in terms of specifically. Uh, my clients and, and wellness and eating in particular, I always tell them slow and steady wins the race. If you try to do with cold turkey, nine times out of 10, you're going to fail. Like if you think about, let's, let's think about um, the reality that most people are addicted to sugar, period. Mm -hmm. Most people are addicted to sugar. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone decides, you know what? I'm cutting out sugar from my diet. Starting today. All right. You have a sweet tooth. You're addicted to sugar, but you decided at 8 a.m. No more sugar ever in life. So what are you focused on? No, 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 no. No, I'm not going to eat that. No, I'm not going to eat that. No, I'm not going to eat that. Oh, God, I'm thinking. No, no. You have to constantly say no, no, no. You only have to say yes once to feel as if you failed, to feel as if you backslid. And to feel as if there's no hope. So I'm like, no, let's, let's look at it another way. How many sweets do you eat a day? Six. All right. For the next four weeks, eat two sweets a day. Mm. And see how we do. And most people within that first four weeks, they'll have 20, week, 20 days where they ate sweets a day. They'll have three days where they ate three, maybe two days where they ate four. And so I tell them, okay, let's look at it. You had 20 days of success. The previous month, you had zero days of success. So now next month, let's have 21 days of success. <clears throat> you have to have a plan that allows you to gradually grow and evolve into where you're trying to get to. If it happens overnight, that's change. We don't want change. Because if you change today, you can change back tomorrow. Ooh. Now, technically, and we're going to go real deep on it, you don't even want growth. You don't want growth, and here's why. I'm asking you, how many nights did you stay up studying all night to get taller? 
<laughs> that need to get taller? Yeah. None. Never. You can do zero work and you're still going to grow. What you want is evolution because to evolve means to arrive at a place from which you cannot return. Man. People, people often offer me chicken, lamb, like whatever. And I'm like, I haven't had that in my body since February 25th, 1993. What, what makes you think for any reason I would eat that? I've evolved. My body would actually probably seize up if I put that inside of it. I probably don't have the capacity to digest something that heavy anymore. You want evolution, and evolution happens gradually. So erect a plan that allows for gradual, steady growth. That's real. Uh, and one last piece on the nutrition before I shift gears a little bit, but... One of the things I'm always having discussions with, what either what I'm working with clients or myself or like friends and family, and I know you discussed, uh, you did a little research or studying with, uh, in terms of, I think, Afro-Caribbean. Um, and, you know, especially those cultures, the food is very, one, heavy, at least that's my interpretation. And mm -hmm. two, there, there is a, especially not to generalize, but a lot of the events in Black or Caribbean or African cultures are often surrounded by food right like that's the mass like funerals to weddings to even if i'm going out for a happy hour there always has to be this plate of food so like how do you like how how do you kind of combat that or how do you give tips to shift that mentality where you know we can go out without food being the centerpiece of it all right three things Ooh. first is this is my favorite example this always knocks people off their feet Let's go back to the film Soul Food. Do you remember that? Yep. All right. Big Mama goes into the hospital for hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. He dies. They go to the funeral and bury her. Leave the funeral and go home and eat the same foods that killed her. And no one saw anything wrong with that. That is a group psychosis that we have got to correct. We cannot point to anyone but us. These foods killed her. We cannot go home and eat the same exact foods. So that's first, we have to be honest about, is what I'm eating nutritious? Mm -hmm. and, and one thing that I dealt with when I became a vegetarian, um, for people who felt threatened by me being vegetarian, and they said, well, it was good enough for your ancestors. My ancestors wanted me to have a choice. They didn't have a choice. I do. And I'm choosing to eat foods that are not going to clog my arteries, that are not going to in, uh, incre increase my blood pressure. We have to be honest about what we're eating and is it nutritious. In terms of the social gatherings, the food is often a distraction because what are we really there for? I'm here to see my cousins. I'm here to see my family. I'm here to see my girl. I'm here to see my boys. That's why you're there. If you're going to eat, I always, when I, when I go out, um, I either know where I'm going and what I can order, or I take, I have, I'm famous to have a little Tupperware dishes of cranberries and cashews with me at all times. And I eat them anywhere and everywhere because I'm not going to let my circumstances determine my health mm. because that's the excuse that people like to use. 
well, you know, I'm out. I don't really have anything. You shouldn't have brought something. Or you should have gone online to see what are the helpful offerings from that menu that you can purchase. Yep. I like we, the we have to take ownership of our health. Yep. We have to take ownership of our health. As I always say, the five P's, poor planning uh, promotes poor performance. And if you don't plan ahead yes. the wellness, right. you will always get caught out. Um, even like you said, just even, even if you're the, the restaurant is, is, the, is the static piece, right? You can't shift that because let's say it's a wedding. There are ways of like mitigating that either eating before or, um, or having a filling meal before. So you're not indulging on by the time you get to the cake, you don't want it anyway. Right. Or, or, you exactly. know, make sure you're, you, you've given them the options because usually a vegetarian option, or you can talk to them before there, there are options. So it's just kind of making sure you're prepared with all the information. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so I know that your, your core belief is your health is your wealth. And mm -hmm. one thing I like to talk about is generational health. There's a lot of talk about generational wealth, but generational health is something I like to talk about. So uh, for me, it means like, what am I passing down to either generations below or above me? Just like you, your mother, you kind of taught above you. So how do you, what does generational health mean to you? And how do you kind of live through that every day of your life? First and foremost, the people who are closest to you are watching you at all times. If you are living, eating healthily and they're close to you, they are watching, not because they want to pick out things negatively. They want to see, are you walking the walk since you talk to talk? Um, to talk about above and below with my children. I have three children. I'm vegan. None of them are vegan. Purposely. Because when I became vegan, it was my decision. So my children eat vegan with me sometimes, like in a seven day span, they'll eat vegan with me three nights and then they'll have fish or maybe some chicken the other four nights. They have information on both sides. When they turn 18 and they want to decide, am I going to be vegan, vegetarian or pescatarian? They will have enough information to make their own decision. And that's what I want. I want my children to be empowered as critical thinkers. Mm. Like, I can't decide this for you. All I can do is give you the tools and resources. And here you are to make your own decision. And I think that's important that we empower our children to understand your health is important, but it's yours. Mm. It's it, yours. I love that. And how do you... Because I notice that sometimes with working pe working with people or clients, there is a there's a a want to just click off the button and just tell me what to do, which right. kind of also disempowers people to be critical thinkers, right? Like I can't if you give me A steps A through Z and then a wrench comes in, I won't be able to finish and I'll have another excuse, right? So how do you how do you start to empower people that you're working with, even if they they're they feel like they don't want to do that because they kind of want to disassociate at that point. So with, with all of my clients, if, if they want um, the nutritional component of the program, we start with a cleanse. And the cleanse is based on literally the title of my book, first addition, then subtraction. 
So what I'll do is I will add something to their daily dietary regimen. I'm like, whatever you're eating now, keep eating it. But in addition, I want you to eat A, B, C, and D every day. And what happens is when you add any healthful habit or ritual in your life and you get regular with it, it will subconsciously push something negative out. It'll crowd it out. It works every time. It works every time. It's foolproof. I love that. That it. You literally don't have space to do both. Like you have to. Yeah. So I guess speaking on that, and I think we can. This will be like the last piece. But uh, you mentioned the book. So I guess at this last piece of the interview, uh, your book is called First Edition, Then Subtraction: um, Discovering <laughs> Your Baseline for the Healthiest Version of You. Talk about it. Um, so from there, I guess, what what is your, from the book, as well as your own mantra, what are some tools that you can give people that are listening that you want them to know, like, urgently, like, to either start shifting things in their mind now or, you know, things that they can get more from the book? Okay. The very first thing is the most basic thing to human existence. Water. Mm. So imagine all of us are high-end sports cars. You go to a gas station, you got three types of gas, regular, medium, and premium. That's how waters are actually characterized in terms of their nutritional value for your body, regular. That's distilled or purified water. Here's why. Distilled and purified water, by definition, have zero minerals. Your body will not absorb any water that does not have minerals. Let me say that again. Your body will not absorb any water that does not have minerals. I have a client right now who's training for a triathlon. He drinks a gallon of water a day. I was working him out the other morning and his back started hurting and his neck started hurting. And I was looking at him. I said, you're, I said, I actually said, pop your eyes for me." And I looked at his irises and I said, you're dehydrated. He said, I cannot drink a gallon of water a day. I said, I bet you drink distilled or purified water. He said, yeah. I said, those aren't absorbed into your bloodstream. They go straight to your large intestine and flush you out. You can be dehydrated drinking a gallon a day of distilled or purified water because your body is absorbing none of it. So if you're drinking for cleansing, if you're fasting, you should be drinking distilled or purified water to flush your colon out. At the beginning of every day, if you want to start the day flushing, drink some distilled or purified water. But for hydration, medium grade is spring water because it has some minerals in it. Premium grade, that's alkaline water, electrolyte water, or mineral water. Man, I didn't even know there was levels to water like that. Yeah. I was like, that tastes weird. I don't want it. But now there's a purpose. It is, you have to be, and like we've been saying, just intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's a, go for it. No, the last thing about premium water, um, because we live in a capitalist society, if it's electrolyte or mineral water and there's sugar in it, your body rejects it. Your mm-hmm. body will not absorb any sugar in water. It'll, it, it, it'll make it bypass the small intestine go straight to the large intestine and flush out. So if you if, if you buy electrolyte water, read the label. If there's sugar in it, it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to hydrate you. 
man, that's what you always got to read that label. Yep. That's why if you listen to athletes, when they talk about drinking Gatorade, they say, oh, yeah, I felt energized. But then my mouth got dry. Uh, dry mm. mouth is a sign of dehydration. Mm. That ain't nice. That ain't good. That defeats the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, uh, is there any other last gems that you want to drop for anyone listening? Feel free to just plug yourself. Yes. Um, since we talked about water and, um, a lot of people in becoming more active, um, from the, you know, the shut in and shutdown in America are, um, really concerned about losing weight. Mm. One of the things that frustrates people about losing weight is that yo-yo effect. Um, Ooh, today I'm down three pounds. Tomorrow I'm up four pounds. Today I'm down five pounds. Tomorrow up seven pounds. The source of the yo-yo effect is water weight. Your daily water weight can fluctuate two to six pounds a day. So what you want to do is you want to flush your system early in the day. Literally force flush your colon. Because if you drop your water weight at the beginning of the day, then throughout the day as you're moving around, as you're walking, um, as you're exercising, you're not burning off water. You're burning stored body fat. And that's the weight that you want to lose. Mm. So I, before we hop off now, I have to ask a real question. How do you flush in the morning? Is that just the water still? Yes. You want to drink 24 to 32 ounces of distilled or purified water with the juice of two lemons squeezed into it and a little cayenne pepper. Gotta love that. That's it. Yep. That's what I drink in the morning. All right. That. I think we've talked about so many things. So, so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and definitely excited to hear from you again. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashe. And thank you for everyone for listening. Have a great, great one. And once again, thank you for picking you today.